Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the Christian Women's Leadership Center of Women's Missionary Union. My friend Joe Wright is the Executive Director of the Bivocational and Small Church Leadership Network, or you might hear Joe refer to it as the BSCLN. 83% of all Southern Baptist churches report a Sunday school attendance of fewer than 125. Most of these churches have bivocational pastors. Other evangelical denominations report similar statistics. This is the target audience of the BSCLN. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Joe, welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted that you're here today. It's good to be here. I can't believe you and Penny drove two hours to meet me in Paducah, Kentucky. We wouldn't miss it. We wouldn't miss it. One of the first things I did was I called a friend who's a church planner here and said, find us a small church we can meet in and we can talk. And and so Mr. Mike met us at the door out here in the parking lot and let us in. It's a beautiful church. Sit right on the interstate, right across from the Harley Davidson store. When I'm headed home to Illinois, I pass right by this and I'm captivated by the Harley Davidson store and I've missed this little church on the other side of the road. I saw the sign as we came in. It said they had 22 here this past Sunday. So that's a church that is very representative of the Southern Baptist Convention. It is, and your heart is for the small church. I grew up in a small bivocational church, and I am who I am today because they poured into me. I had leadership opportunities at a very young age because that's just what you did. They let me teach Sunday school. They let me teach VBS as a teenager. They poured into me, and I am who I am today because of that little church in Southern Illinois. You have a passion for small churches. I do. My father was a bivocational pastor all throughout my childhood and as I grew into an adult. I grew up in the mountains in East Tennessee, and all we knew were small country churches, bivocational churches. We refer to them at the BSCLN as smaller attendance churches. Mm-hmm. We don't believe there's any small church, but there are smaller attendance churches. Right. That's all I knew. I left my heart for a while in convention work and served large churches. But what I found was my heart always drew me back to those churches. The vast majority of our churches are smaller attendance. 66% have less than 75 people in them. And those are pre-COVID numbers. Before uh, COVID, two-thirds of Southern Baptist churches would have less than 75 on the average Sunday. So Ronnie Floyd tells us we have about 50,000 congregations. Yes. So two-thirds of those congregations are smaller attendance churches. Yes. We need to be investing in them, don't we? We do. We do. There is a worldly sense of success that looks as bigger is better, bigger is more successful. And when we buy into that, we overlook the fact that some of the greatest ministry within the Southern Baptist Convention is not coming out of the mega church or the large church, that the majority of it is coming out of those smaller attendance churches. I'm very careful not to look down on a large church. Large churches are great. A very great portion of our mission's ability comes from the heartbeat of those larger attendance, those larger congregation churches. 
But we don't want to solely focus on them. We want to recognize that there is a significant portion of our Baptist constituency who serves in smaller churches, and the vast majority of them choose the strategy of bivocationalism as a way to provide the, a financial foundation for their ministry. The smaller attendance church can't, by and large, pay a living wage and the insurance requirements mm -hmm. and housing. Uh, it's just virtually impossible. And so a bivocational pastor chooses to augment his income with a, another job. Most times that's a combination of the sacred job and a secular job. And so learning to balance that, the workload of it, and all that involves doing a good job in both places and remaining a good husband and a good father, that's a challenge. That that's is a challenge. a challenge. And really, they are the unsung heroes of our denomination. They are. Tell me about some of these pastors. Wonderful preachers, wonderful preachers. And by and large, these are gentlemen that for the most part, they grew up in smaller attendance churches. And as you mentioned earlier, you received your early training. Mm -hmm. I can't count the numbers of conversations I've had with large church pastors and mega church pastors who would share with me. They'd say, Joe, my heart is still in the small church. Mm -hmm. That's where I grew up. It's amazing to hear some of our largest representatives come from that background, still have a heart for that background. They got their training in that background. And it has been such good training that now they have risen to those positions of leadership. Mm -hmm. And what the Bivocational and Small Church Leadership Network seeks to do is to create an opportunity for those larger churches and those pastors to pour back into a ministry to the smaller church and to those bivocational pastors and just to find ways to develop resources and to deliver mm -hmm. resources back. Many small church pastors, smaller attendance church pastors, feel, rightfully or wrongly, that most materials that are resourced for them tend to have a focus toward a multi-staff church, a multi-ministry church, and oftentimes that larger attendance congregation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the cost structure for those resources essentially sideline the smaller attendance church yeah. just because they can't afford the full package of the resources that we make available to them across the convention. And so because of that, there has been a sense of alienation, a sense of separation, even a sense of disconnect. My dream, my passion, is that we rebuild that connection as a convention, that somehow we are able to build bridges between those who are serving in places where they don't believe anybody knows where they're at with those high-profile individuals and churches that seem to get a lot of attention. We're all in this together. And so it's not all the, the big eyes and little U's. That's the way we said it in the hills in East Tennessee. There's always the big eyes and the little U's. 
we need to find a way to get the big eyes and the little U's yes. back together and continue moving forward as a convention. I know on your heart is church planters and you want to help develop church planters. What could we do? We as WMU, we, we're all about our missionaries and we pray for our missionaries and want to support them. How can we support church planters? I think one of the things that I've learned with church planters is that anytime you plant a church, the vast majority of church plants start off as smaller attendance groups. Mm -hmm. And so not only do we need to have resources that address replanting or planting churches, but we also need to have resources that deal with the small group world, the smaller congregation not take it for granted that they're planting a church with lots of staff or a great big team or even a guaranteed financial package. One of the movements that I've noticed that I'm really excited about is the bivocational church planter. The gentleman who is in the community serving, which by the way is the number one positive reported by bivocational pastors. They'll tell you when you ask them, why are you a bivocational pastor? They'll say our greatest blessing is that I come into contact with lost people mm -hmm. in our community every day of the week. I'm not at the church building having meetings yes. and, and doing those things. I'm required to be on my job maybe eight hours a day, and I'm out there interacting, and it gives me that opportunity to witness. So when you're a planter, or in some cases a replanter, because of the newness of the organization, you're required to be much more in contact with your constituency. And that's important to be aware of and to be able to bring resources, whether it be the WMU, whether it be the BSCLN, to recognize these men and women who are on the front line of that witness in that community, in that unique place need to have the encouragement, need to have a sense of being a part of something that's bigger than that, just their little corner of the kingdom, but also need to have access to resources. One of the resources that you offer is webinars that you yes. provide for your constituents. And yes. there's about 6,500 churches in your network. Tell me about the latest webinar that you had. <laughs> it was exciting. There's a gentleman that I met through our social media by the name of Eddie Painter. And Eddie is this wonderful, wonderful bivocational pastor. I almost feel like now I have to call him Dr. Painter. Because when I met him, I heard his story. His story is he is a double bivocational pastor, which means he pastors two bivocational churches. But on top of that, he drives a tractor-trailer truck as his secular job there in Mississippi. But even more, he just finished his dissertation for a PhD. Blew me away. Blew me away that this I individual wanna, had a, to know him. A, a work ethic, just to start with, a, a work ethic where he could be a family man, husband and father, also pastor two churches. So he preaches twice, teaches twice, 
visits twice, does all the things that a church requires. And then on top of that, he drives a tractor trailer truck for a Christian company there in Mississippi who has partnered with him. They recognize his unique needs. But on top of all that, he just finished writing his dissertation for his PhD. Let me tell you about his dissertation. His dissertation was written on the one gift that all pastors need that is not a spiritual gift. The literal scientific term is called emotional intelligence. In layman's terms, it means people skills. Mm -hmm. People skills. We all believe we have great people skills, and I've learned this through talking with him. We all believe we are the Lord's answer to people skills, that everybody (laughs) ought to love us. But when you step second level to those people that we come into contact with, all of a sudden you hear these anecdotal replies of people saying, you know, my pastor, I really can't talk with him, you know, or uh, he's hard to, to get to know personally, or he's hard to talk to, or this one issue just riles him up. These were all things that I had never thought of as part of people's skills that uh, Dr. Painter, now Eddie, shared with me. And so our webinar for August, we only had the one panelist, and that was, that was Eddie. And I just asked him to spend some time on our webinar exploring what he had discovered, what he had learned in his research and in his writing his dissertation. And he was able to really draw it down to some very simple terms. I was sitting there shocked and awe at some of the things he was saying. And I could look back in my own ministry at how if I had been able to handle my own emotional response to church issues, the church response might have been a little bit different. And that's the definition of people's skills, how you are able to interact and interconnect with other people. Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. One of the most exciting and enjoyable webinars. And such a practical thing you can bring to the bivocational and the smaller membership church pastors. Incredibly practical. Yes, yes. My pastor said this past Sunday that men have maybe one or two close friends that they can confide in, that they can trust, that they can go to with anything, that they can share anything and know that it's not going to go anywhere. He said, by and large, men, one or two friends. I would have to think for a pastor, that numbers, as small as it is, gets even smaller. Who supports our pastors? What we've discovered and what I've learned is that the pastor's greatest support structure is within his own home. You mentioned that pastors, and especially bivocational pastors, are the unsung hero. I I believe that. I believe that. But if a bivocational pastor is the unsung hero, the pastor's wife is the unknown hero. She is the one who truly, if she is adept at what God has called her to do, able to hold him and to minister to him. That is her first and greatest ministry. We tend to mistreat pastors' wives by asking them to play the piano and be be the WMU leader, be the children's teacher, take care of the nursery, sing in the choir, and also run the other 
ministries in the church when in fact her and, greatest ministry. And invite people to their home. Yes, and she has to be a, a wonderful hostess. Yes. And she, she has to do all of this with no thank you. There's very rarely any appreciation ever offered to a pastor's wife. And that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart. You know mine and Penny's story. Penny's here with me. Penny and I have only been married a few years. Penny and I both lost our, what we believed were our first great loves. In her case, it was Bob. And, and Bob was a bivocational pastor. And she was married to Bob for 32 years. Bob passed away with cancer. And I was married for 31 years to Teresa. And she was like Penny, just the, the consummate pastor's wife. And after 31 years, she passed away with cancer. After a couple of years of abject loneliness, God brought us together. And so we've been on a new journey. One of the things that Penny is very adept at is helping me to see things from the pastor's wife's point of view. And I think that's another resource. When you talk about where does the pastor get his relations and strength and encouragement, the first place comes from his wife. Unfortunately, the demands of the church oftentimes put a pastor in a position where he has to choose between the church and his family. Let me go on record saying, God called you to be a husband and a father before he called you to be a pastor. And God understands the obligations and responsibilities he has placed upon you as a pastor. And he fully expects you to care for your own bride and allow him to watch over his bride. So that's a long way around to answer a quick question. A pastor gets his resources, I think, first of all, from his family. But also, pastors should not seek to pastor in a vacuum. And that's part of the problem with smaller attendance churches. Those pastors tend to feel like they are alone. Well, I can see why, because time is an issue. They're working full time. They're caring for their family. They're trying to prepare for a sermon, which I've heard you know, takes hours and hours and hours to do. There's just not enough hours in the day. How are you going to, how are you not going to pastor in a vacuum? Yes. The pie is only so big and you have mm -hmm. to carve it carefully. Yeah. For the pastor, you have to make priority choices. And the slice of pie that belongs to your wife and to your children has to be of a certain size for it to be healthy. If you rob from the relationship with your wife and your children, ultimately your ministry will pay the price for that. Even though you think you're doing a good job for your ministry. Oh, I'm giving everything I can to my ministry. I'm going to all the meetings. I'm attending all the conferences. I'm always there when everybody's sick. When in effect, you're losing your greatest resource. And that's your family, your family. And so that's one of the first things when I counsel with pastors. Tell me about your relationship with your wife. Tell me about your relationship with your children. That's also one of the dreams that we have with the Bivocational and Small Church Leadership Network is to build a national network of pastors' wives mm -hmm. to give them a venue of webinars and cohorts 
where they can be a part of a network, a group of other ladies who are struggling with the exact same things they're struggling well, with. Well, as hard as it is being a pastor of a smaller membership church, as lonely as that is, it's got to be 10 times that yes. much for a pastor's wife. Yes. One of the most moving experiences I've ever had in my ministry, I had led a mission team out west, and a pastor had come to visit the team, and we were having our prayer time. He and his wife were there just during our prayer time and in our morning devotional. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw this gentleman's wife, this pastor's wife, who had just come to visit. He was not a part of what we were there to do. He had just come to visit, but I noticed his wife off in the corner with her head down as if she were carrying the, the world's greatest burden. As we were testifying and doing the devotion and studying together, I just eased around. When it came to prayer time, I was able to kind of get to a place where I could see. And I could see big tears coming down her cheeks. So while everyone else was praying, I eased over and I just laid my hand on her shoulder. And I asked her very quietly, what can I pray for you? And I'll never forget her answer. She said, Brother Joe, I am alone. I am so alone. And it broke my heart. It broke my heart. And even then, that was a number of years before I came to serve with the BSCLN. But it broke my heart in preparation for what we are doing now, to recognize that the unsung heroes truly are the pastors. The unknown heroes are those who serve in silence, those who serve in the background, those who pick the pieces up and with the glue of their own love, put those pieces back together. I really have a heart for that. When you ask, what is the resource for the pastor? It has to be what takes place in his own home. Everything else is secondary to that. You know, we do the webinars, we write the books, we have the conferences, we make the visits and the phone calls and the emails and make all the contacts. All of that is secondary to what a pastor receives from his wife and from his home. Well, I think that's a great way to wrap up this podcast as we think about our pastors and our pastor's wives of how we can encourage them. As you were talking, I was thinking, certainly we can pray. But wouldn't it be great if we just gifted our pastor with a gift card to take his yes. bride out and find other ways just to encourage them and their families? Gift cards are wonderful. Just a handwritten note of telling your pastor what he means to you. The gift card to the pastor's wife is actually more effective because oftentimes she does without so that the pastor or the church can have. So anything little you can do just to take note of them would be wonderful. Well, Joel, I love your heart. I love the way that you serve. It's an honor for WMU to serve with you and we wanna do everything that we can to help you be successful as you minister to smaller membership churches. Yes, yes. Thank you for being our friend through the years. Well, it's my honor to serve with you. And thank you for being on the podcast today. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of On the Journey Conversation and hearing Joe's heart for our small membership churches. You know, October is considered Pastor Appreciation Month. 
consider giving your pastor a gift with meaning. Head over to worldcrafts.org and order your pastor a gift that is making an eternal impact on the lives of artisans around the world. We'll see you next time.